Retailers are warning of price hikes and shortages over the holiday season. Products are not just harder to get, but more expensive. Prices for kids' shoes up 12% in the past year. Beef up 17%. New and used cars up 24%. And gas up 42%. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program. Boy, fellas, I got to tell you, it's nice to be back in studio. I want to welcome Comfortably Smug, Michael Duncan. Let's do a program today. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do a good program. We've got a lot to talk about, clearly. Yes. As we always do. But uh, a intro there that you heard came from an unlikely source, shall we say. That was Chuck Todd at Meet the Press reading facts. Oh, no. And, and he got completely destroyed and attacked <laughs> for it. They're like, right-wing Chuck Todd strikes again. He's telling us the percentages that everything's gone up by. Inconvenient facts. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is remarkable the extent to which mainstream media has been so taken over by the progressive left you can't actually talk about the sky being blue without your entire audience rebelling. Exactly. I mean, I mean that's good training on their part. Like uh, th- that talker got out where now they're all calling Politico right wing organization. Was like <laughs> Politico, really? Well, so I mean, the left's threshold for media pain is so low. Yeah. Our pal John Ashbrook will routinely say that you know they skin their knee and they go to the Mayo Clinic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. like. The, the Democrats are so used to the media, you know, singing from the same song sheet that a- any time that they just do some straight news reporting, it's like a big surprise. Oh, it's incredible. So, I mean, I had some time to, to read a little bit as I was uh, flying back over the weekend and I was watching all of these liberal complaints, both in earned media and in columns about how. You know, the reason why the Democrats can't get this three and a half trillion dollar reconciliation bill is simply because the media hasn't done its job explaining what? the virtues and of Nancy this po- piece of shit. Right. And Nancy Pelosi straight up said that to the media that you media, you haven't done a good enough job selling this. Yeah. You know, like that's their job. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe if you spend some extra time telling people about the blue state millionaire tax cut. Yeah. That might or the six hundred dollar permanent audit that every American's gonna have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's spend some time, Nance. I think it might work. I'm surprised she could actually get it out. I haven't seen a coherent sentence out of her in months. Well, I mean, his agenda has stalled. Everything is pretty much a mess. So I'm gonna enjoy this episode. It's gonna be like a dunkathon. Yes. Pretty much. It is. We do have a couple of announcements to make. Uh one of the announcements that we're gonna make up top is I think we're going to get some new merch in the store. Yeah, long sleeve shirts. They should be hitting the store. Uh, this is news to me. So What do you, what do you mean? I, I haven't put long sleeve tees in the store. So what, what have you put in the store? I, I put a sweatshirt. I've put a number of t-shirts. Is the sweatshirt new? Or is that the no, one that that's we rolled old. out last spring? Okay. Well, many people are saying uh, long sleeves shirts are going to be in the store. So just hit the internet button. <laughs> okay. By the time no, by just... the time our people listen to the show, I, I they better be up there. Wait, but I will my, love, yeah. But, but, just but hit the internet I, I just want to I just want to be clear. Are you saying we do not have a fall catalog? I will create a fall catalog for my <laughs> boomer co-hosts 
I will press the internet button, Let's restart go. the router, and connect the inner tubes of the internet and get it up. Well, there. that's why we count on you, and yeah. we do such such a fantastic job for all of the minions <laughs> who are looking for such. There things. you go, more great news. No, look, I love our fans, and and you know, your wish is my command, dear minions. You will have your long sleeves. I will make sure they're live by the time you're listening to this. That wasn't so hard, was it? No, I mean, I'm doing it. I just want to be clear. I'm doing it for the fans and not for you guys. Yeah, but I mean, if we bring it up in private, it may or may not happen. But if we do it right here. <laughs> I, just love, I just love that you guys spring this stuff on me live on the program. And then it's like a ticking clock I have to deliver. Yeah, you it's, know? It, it's fan service. You got to do it. It okay. is what it is. And speaking of fan service, I want to I highlight one of the best, I think, all-time five-star reviews which was left for the Ruthless Variety Program. This is from, uh, the username is Two Proud Parents. It says, My wife and I tried to imagine how proud the parents of your intern must have been when you brought her on to say goodbye and how it'd be great if one of our kids interned at the program in the future. Well, we didn't have to wait long to feel the pride. Driving down the road last weekend, our nine-year-old daughter started a family sing-along of Demargerno, yes. in parentheses, long version, of course, with the nine, six, and three-year-olds all singing along perfectly with mom and dad. If you ever need backup singers, give us a call. Wow. Outstanding. Um, one, that's awesome. Yeah. Two, yes, we do need backup singers. I think I can need to see that. I love that, the, like, family harmony version, long version. Oh, God, that's just great. That's great stuff. Uh, we got any more, Duncan? You want to read in this next one? I'm going to read this one. Okay. Because there's a specific call out. Oh, okay. It's great. To one. yours truly um, from RGGG. The title is Duncan is Soft on Terror. You know, well, that's right. <laughs> First of all, R quadruple G's has it right on the money. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the comment here is Ruthless is the only thing standing in the way of the libs turning America into a Southwest flight. Full of screaming, undisciplined children. <laughs> That's right. This is clearly Smug's burner it's account. Actually, <laughs> whoever this person is, they are completely right. I agree with them one hundred percent. It said, "I, I just love, I love this because in this scenario, the the children are terrorists." <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. Last one's from Callie from Missouri, entitled "Program Transforms Relationships." Uh, she says, my brother and I were very close growing up, but now we're adults with families and jobs who so are not always in great com regular communication. All that has changed. We now talk in text every Tuesday and Thursday. Last week, it was a text that simply said, Walnut the Crane. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And today, a voicemail, 100 tacos. That's a power move. <laughs> Pure joy every week. Thanks, guys. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. I Thank you that. so much, Charles. So the, the variety program is now a family program. We're bit, we're bringing absolutely, yeah, as 100%. you can see in every one of these. Well, and I, I love the walnut, the crane reference. Listen, walnut. I'd love to have an adapt, like a, a story update. Like, where are they now with walnut? <sighs> I want to get in contact with that zookeeper. I, I feel I have a feeling the zookeeper is not going to be willing to talk to. I mean, <laughs> I, he I don't needs to do so. unspeakable things. Yeah, with walnut. Yes. Speaking of not willing to talk about things, this is an interesting little piece of information. Joe Biden hasn't held a press conference since July 15th. That's 96 days. You got to be kidding me. 96 days. And here, you know, the, to put it into context, in Trump's first year in office, he did 21 press conferences. So far, Biden has done seven. If he's under 10 by the end of the year, that'll be the lowest number of presidential press conferences in over two decades. 
Well, there's no question that's going to happen, right? He's going to be under 10 because, honestly, even when he's speaking off prepared remarks, he can't get through the sentence. Yeah. I mean, the the most uh, iconic image of the entire Biden presidency is him at a podium with his back turned walking yeah. away. Yeah. They, I mean, his staff, you know, they know you can't let that guy talk. We, I don't know how many shows we've opened with him saying something nutty. Like, yeah. uh, what is it, during that, uh, you know, the 1920s uh, period. It's like, what? <laughs> like, it, it, it's it's one of those situations like, Grandpa, all right, it's okay. You know, you lead him back to the couch, tell him to relax. He's got that weird stare, too, you know, like, and he's in between words. and you, it, It's vacant. It's vacant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it ain't working very well for anybody. And the, the first story that we've got to get into mm-hmm. is one that we have, and I, I feel like, Fellas, we deserve a lot of credit because we've been talking about this for months. Yep, we brought it up first. And, yeah. and now you're seeing this problem really hit critical mass. Yeah, we're talking about the supply chain, right? Yeah. Which the administration has now dubbed a high-class problem. Yeah. Uh, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain was like, this... Someone said, uh, it was Jason Furman on Twitter, October 13th, tweets out, most of the economic problems we're facing, parentheses, inflation, supply chains, etc., are high-class problems. We wouldn't have had them if the unemployment rate was still 10%. We would instead have had a much worse problem. Ron Klain, this quote retweet. So they are signing off on this idea, this administration, that, oh, if you're concerned about rising prices, that's a high-class problem to have. Yeah, because it's a price, and if you can pay any price, you're a high-class individual. You should be grateful. Yeah, that, that gas is up double digits. Yeah. yeah, you should be grateful that the shelves at the grocery store are empty. Yeah, grateful, grateful because frankly we're interested in paying everybody's rent to begin with, right? Which is then surprise to us why inflation. Goes what up. a weird hill to die on. Bizarre, right? bizarre. And, and, and again, we're going to give the folks pure facts. These are actual statistics. This is from AAA. The national average gas price right now is three dollars and thirty three cents. All right, last year. It was two dollars and sixteen cents. So, so all those fat cats who make a living driving cars. Oh and yeah, yeah. Those and truckers and those high high class truckers. All those high class fat cats. Yeah, they're they're getting away with murder for years. I mean, this should hang around this administration's neck like a millstone. One hundred. If you're a Republican running for public office, if you are the RNC, you run a super PAC. Make them own this because this is horrible. It's a horrible way to think about Americans, people who you're going to be asking for your vote in this midterm election. And and that's the thing is you're seeing this impact in the price of groceries, you know, eggs, meat, milk, anything you're putting on the table. Like there's always a great question of uh, uh, what's the price of of a gallon of milk? You ask somebody. And in normal times, you're, you're, you know, you're thinking about three bucks, right? A CNBC reporter tweeted out a photo they had from a grocery store where a gallon of milk was going for eight bucks. Well, at least it was there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. frankly, you go to most of the places, there's no nothing on the shelves. I mean, that's the thing is like it's reached the point where they want you to be grateful about paying eight dollars for a gallon of milk. And they call it high class problems if you have a problem with that. It's outrageous. But nobody is at the center of this more. And we've got a lot to say about this was Pete Buttigieg. That's right. You know, ostensibly, he's the, he's a. Uh, Transportation secretary, uh, sometimes I guess he hasn't been there in months. And well, that's I want to get into all of it. I want to yeah, get into all of it. The first right thing it. I want to get the, the great segue is his answer on Meet the Press about why this is not a problem. Look, uh, part of what's happening isn't just the supply side, it's the demand side. 
demand is off the charts. Retail sales are through the roof. And if you think about those images of uh, ships, for example, waiting at anchor on the West Coast, you know, every one of those ships uh, is full of record amounts of goods that Americans are buying uh, because demand is up, because income is up, uh, because the president has successfully guided this economy out of the teeth of a terrifying recession. So, okay. So uh, just to get this absolutely straight, I want to see if, if I've missed anything here. The reason that your shelves are bare, the reason you can't afford the products you're able to get, the reason why a substantial part of our workforce has chosen to stop looking for work altogether is because Joe Biden has successfully guided our economy out of the teeth of the recession. Yeah, the shelves are empty because he's doing such a great job. That's the cognitive dissonance of this. And, and I think that's also a very important thing that he let drop is when he says Joe Biden has guided this economy. So that means they, this administration is taking complete responsibility and ownership. They know of it. this economy. So they're, they're, they're taking ownership saying, oh, this is the Biden economy. So inflation going up, that's the Biden economy. Shortages at the store, that's the Biden economy. You know, not having anything resembling a normal supply chain, that's the Biden economy. And they have no clue what they're doing. A prime example is, for example, you know, you hear in, uh, uh, in, in California, the port has dozens and dozens of ships waiting to be offloaded. And, and, and their best idea that they came up with is, okay, just run the port 24 hours a day. They already tried that last month, and they stopped because you had trucks hitting L.A. traffic during rush hour. They have no ideas. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have the truckers. These That's assholes. It. That's it. it. Here's the problem. The problem is you don't have to actually be a progressive or conservative economist to understand that when you pay people not to go to work, when you incentivize people to stay at home, when you provide unemployment benefits equal to or more than their job for a period of years while sending them checks and then telling them that their jobs may or may not be essential services. When you do all that shit, at the back end, there's real consequences. We are at the back end of this. People are not at work. There are, I think it's like a 30% reduction of truckers. You can't tell me that the people who are working at the ports are at full capacity. Of course they're not. We wouldn't have this problem if they were. They We don't have the employees. And the reason we don't have the employees is because the dumb shit economic policy that these people have put into place since the day they got there. And, and, and it gets even worse. Is More liberal policies at, at work here is because California in 2020 passed these new, like, insane green laws imposed on truck drivers that a number of trucks can't even can't even work in California because they don't meet, you know, this Green New Deal type of crap that the left is pushing. And this is the Green New Deal. This is build back better for them is they want everyone to be completely dependent on the government to get your get your rent covered, to get your monthly check sent to you, to deal with empty shelves because everything's going great. I mean, it's like Venezuela. In, in like eight months, this guy turned the country into Venezuela. So let's go in on Pete for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the guy's been on paternity leave for two months and we just found out about it like five days ago. So, I mean, look, hats off to Politico for mm -hmm. actually reporting it. But is there any reporter for the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Associated Press or I don't know, Transportation Daily? Yeah. Who counts their job as to cover the Department of Transportation that took notice of the fact that the guy wasn't there for the last two months? And, and beyond that, like he's like, oh, I have to be out on paternity leave. They tried to change the issue completely into 
the supply chain is a mess. Where's the where where's the Secretary of Transportation? Why is nothing being done about this? The, to oh, why are Republicans attacking a man on paternity leave? Well, here's the thing: is okay, you've had your two months, and then pictures show up of Mayor Pete at the Chicago airport. Just oh, total coincidence. The same weekend that Chicago is going to be screening a documentary about the Mayor Pete presidential run. I mean, uh, I didn't see his kids there. Yeah, He's yeah, at the airport right, traveling to Chicago. Right. It doesn't look like paternity leave to me. Right. It can't be both of those things, right? It can't be that you're on paternity leave with these newborn and you can't do your job, but you can find the time to fly to Chicago. Yeah. Ostensibly for the premiere of a documentary about yourself. About him. About yeah. yourself. I would have... When when my wife gave birth and we were in the recovery room, if I would have told my wife, hey, this is going to be tough, but I really got to fly across the country for a documentary premiere about me, <laughs> I would have been murdered. That would have been the last day on earth. Absolutely murdered. <laughs> so, so it's just like it can't be both those things. It can't be I'm on paternity leave and this is the most important thing in my life. I can't do my job during a national crisis. But, oh, I can also fly to Chicago. Bingo. And also, like, yeah, and great for Politico that they finally, you know, somebody got to this story. But nobody's connecting those dots on him going and flying to Chicago. It's still not out there. You heard it for right. the first time he, here on the Variety he, Program. He, he was on the Sunday shows talking, you know, basically leaning in on this and being like, how dare you, Republicans? Like, I have I have newborn kids. Fine. God bless you. Uh, uh, but, but, but to fly to Chicago and go on that show... And and basically lean in on it, and and nobody's reporting about. Hey, man, why are you in Chicago? You can't work. We're in a national crisis, but you're in Chicago, right? And here's the thing: is to me, it feels like they are pushing this paternity leave thing as as kind of like a trap, as some bait. When what really needs to be focused on is how the hell do we have the former mayor of a town running our supply chains across America? The guy is insanely unqualified for this job obsessed with the choo-choos that's all that's he knows all he, he's like yeah i love choo-choo trains uh that's why i'm the the, the transportation secretary how, how can we trust trillions of dollars in our economy we're seeing the results of this i mean the guy again forget about it. being like uh you know not even fit for the job the guy doesn't even show up so that, it's he like, thinks it's a good thing yeah. he straight up said it's a good thing well, it's, oh we can't get anything to the uh people but Demand is up. Oh, this yeah. is a good thing. It's because people want to buy stuff. Out of the uh, jaws of the recession. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a theme that just keeps, you know, reinforcing itself is that at the end of the day, the, the main problem with the Biden administration is they are like to a person completely unqualified to deal with any sort of a real emergency. You look at the past year, uh, absolute bungling of COVID, you know. Uh, that Biden said that he's going to shut down the virus, not the economy. He did the exact opposite. Do you guys know that they still don't have an FDA commissioner? <laughs> did you know go. that? There you uh -huh. go. No, I mean, think about for a second if, if Donald Trump just didn't have an FDA commissioner right. during the middle of a, a pandemic. Right. That's what's happening here. They don't have anybody. Nobody. So, so, so they dropped the ball completely on COVID when they were handed two, you know, multiple vaccines. Uh, the Afghan withdrawal... Like, they clearly had no idea what they're doing. 13 Americans were killed in that botched withdrawal, and there has still been no reply from this administration to the terrorists responsible. All they did was bomb a car full of kids. They have not answered for, for 13 service members being murdered. And and now, shelter bear across the country. But the, and, and, and the arrogance, the thing that I keep, and I think probably pisses most people off who are listening to this, 
the arrogance to think that you're in the midst of a, a significant economic crisis that deals with your portfolio, mm-hmm. that you can not disclose that you're going on paternity leave and just, it'll be okay. Yeah. Right? Take the criticism if you think you're going to get it. You're going to get it from no, from some quarters no matter what. But at very least, you, when you're a cabinet secretary, you owe it to the American people for them to know that somebody's watching the store. And guess what? Nobody's watching the store. Right. It's not like they were proactive and like, all right, he's going to go on paternity leave and here's our plan. Here are the things that we see addressed in the supply chain that are problems, like ports, like truckers. No conversation of any of that. He's he, just gone for two he's months. He's just gone. And he's he, just gone for he two months. Leave like an out of office. Like, email. like right. Like, it's right, not guys. about the paternity leave. It's about the fact that like they're so arrogant, Bingo. they feel like they don't have to explain anything to people. Don't have to say it now. To be clear, I'll take any five bureaucrats at the Department of Transportation to make decisions before Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I think he's an idiot, and yeah. I think he's in over his skis, and he has no business being there in the first place. However. When a secretary is not presiding over their own department, there is a real lack of, of accountability because nobody has to do their job. Well, you say he's unqualified. I would give him one one bit of credit. When he was at McKinsey, apparently he was fixing bread prices. <laughs> you would think with all this runaway inflation, he could fix some prices for us. Oh, I love the bread prices guy. <laughs> you were fixing bread, bread prices. prices. Maybe, maybe he is in charge. Maybe, you know, Pete's Maybe he's fixing making the prices. money on the side with McKinsey on the prices. <laughs> fixing that, that, the... That'd be incredible. Now, I, I, I will say they're going to have to figure out in his department a realistic solution to this because I, I everything that we've talked about in terms of economic problems mm-hmm. pale in comparison to the anger the American people are going to feel around the holidays when you can't get anything. Well, and it's one thing to to not be able to get, say, you know, furniture for nine months, right? But when you're at this sort of situation where the port's where they are now, this is literally a national security problem. Yeah. That if if we can't move goods around this country, we got big problems. Big problems. Like, what if we have another crisis where we need PPE? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like, I hope it doesn't happen. You get some crazy variant or some... But you can't get it in. Right. Like, what then? Like, like this is a state of national emergency if you can't move goods around the country. And, and the last thing I'll say on this is, honestly, maybe he should have stayed on vacation because on CNN, he, 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 he mistakenly, I'm guessing, told the truth. He said, hey, higher prices and supply, supply chain issues will continue into next year. So get used to it, folks. This Con- is the Biden administration at congratulations. work. Congratulations. You, you- I'm still on paternity leave, except when I'm not, and I'm flying to Chicago. By the way, this is going to last into next year. <laughs> Peace yeah. out. Later. Peace out. No solution, by the way. Unbelievable. It's all an example of Joe Biden piloting this economy through the teeth of the recession. Jeez. What an idiot. Speaking of idiots, um, do we have that clip of Stacey Abrams yesterday in Virginia? <laughs> You see, I'm here to tell you that just because you win doesn't mean you're won. We've got folks who are ready to take back what they think is theirs, but they are not entitled to our progress. They are not entitled to our justice. They are not entitled to our votes. But either we use them or we lose them. I come from a state where I was not entitled to become the governor. No. Wow. Oh. Not entitled to be the governor. You see what she did there? Is that the big lie? 
Oh, big life strikes. Oh, so Stacey Abrams, as most of you recall, refused to concede a blowout loss to Governor Kemp a few years back in Georgia and claimed that the election was stolen from her. Yep. Right? Still has not wrapped her mind around that, evidently. No. In fact, she's, you know, lifted up as like the poster child for the future of the Democratic Party. But this is the beauty of what that quote was for me that she just said. She's using her refusal to accept the results in Georgia Uh as a way to advocate against the Trump refusal to admit results everywhere else. That's right. And and she's on the same side of the coin. She's literally just saying, it's okay when I do it. That's literally just, if you want to really boil it down to the essence of the argument, it's okay when I do it. We got to stop embracing stupid shit guys yeah. like this is this is what i'm talking about this is the dumbest of the dumb we've we've boiled down our public discourse to a point that's unrecognizable to anybody who's read a book right that is the kind of logic that drives me insane how is somebody like that on the public stage at all right and and making a ton of money with their like outside group they're, they're you know stacy abrams she's going state to state like this is her this is this it's is what she does her game plan yeah well but, but here's the thing is like and it's it's don't take the bait. We've said it on the variety program many a time. But every time a Republican gets on CNN, they say, well, is Joe Biden the legitimate president? No point when Stacey Abrams gets on national television. Did they say, hey, by the way, are you the governor of Georgia or did you lose? Never been asked. Never comes up. Never. And then she'll go on a stem winder about protecting our elections. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the balls. <laughs> On her to get on there and talk about defending democracy, the woman who won't concede to an election three years ago. It it's remarkable. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. Well, I'm worked up. I'm worked up. Those two stories really got me going. Yeah, ridiculous. You know, Um, let's lighten it up just a touch. Uh, I I I got a very you know wholesome. Good. So the theme of this one is dudes rock. Well, obviously, <laughs> you're 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 a champion of dudes rock. So so the Financial Times has this report that uh, woman who won one million euro literary prize turns out to be three men. <laughs> Excellent play. Wait, what? Gentlemen. What is so, this? So so TV script writers awarded uh, Spain's Planeta Prize, uh, excuse, Planeta Prize, for their work under the pseudonym Carmen Mola. They they. Combined, their writing talents. It's like Millie Vanilli. There you go. So, so, but as, as, as a single woman, they're like, uh, you know, I am Carmen Mola was actually three dudes. <laughs> oh, uh, so they actually did the work. Yeah. The three dudes. So not like it. Millie Vanilli. Well, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, we, but Carmen doesn't exactly, she doesn't exist, right? Carmen does not exist. So doesn't unlike exist. Millie Vanilli, there right. was two dudes. Right. This, in this case, Carmen actually doesn't exist in the physical. Got it. And it's so the, the Financial Times article says, late on Friday night, the million uh, euro Planeta Prize, the world's highest paying literary trophy, was awarded to Carmen Mola, an author who until now had been presented as a female university professor who writes under a pen name because of her desire for anonymity. When the main prize uh, at the award ceremony was announced in the presence of King Philippe of Bar- in Barcelona, Three people stepped up to the podium, and, <laughs> and none of them was a woman. What a dude's rock moment. <laughs> Wait, did these guys just think they were, this is like the big coming out? Yeah, they yeah were they're like, like, it's time, spiking the football. They're like, welcome aboard. Let, let's have the million euros. Where's oh, the we'll check? We'll take it in cash. <laughs> cash works. And they say, Carmen Mola is not like all the lies we've been telling a university 
professor, said Diaz on winning the prize. We are three friends who one day, four years ago, decided to combine our talents to tell a story. And you know what? Good for them. Dudes rock. You know? Three friends. Just three friends. That's brotherhood. I can relate to that. I do like the idea of like a bunch of like progressive academics thinking they're awarding this to a woman and then three guys step up and they're outraged. Oh, like, how are you going to like the work can't stand on its own on its own merit. The fact that guys wrote it made them really angry. And that makes me happy. Well, and we've seen in academia how in recent years that does outweigh. Oh, right. The actual selection itself. Like I guarantee somewhere in the criteria is. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a woman, right? Right. Bonus so, points. Bonus points. And these guys are like, ah, ah. it's so amazing. Lo siento. So you know, it's <laughs> rock. The best part about this segment is Hollywood Hen is going to listen to it. Oh, she's going to be so pissed. And she's going to be like, I demand time. <laughs> I must retort. I can't let smug win. I will say, you know, she's, she's claimed the Britney Spears thing is a, is a big like girl. I think it's fair. So but my like short rebuttal and I have not, uh, been on the other side of this I, I agree with her in most part but to smug's argument yeah what britney did immediately upon receiving freedom was post a bunch of nudes completely she, she's gone I, I i i warned people you have to support the conservatorship britney's a dangerous individual she's oh out of God. control well, yeah. I don't know that she's dangerous, but she posted the the nudes. So again, dudes rock. Amazing, <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable, there we go. <laughs> unbelievable. Oh. All right, so hey, let's wind up your your toy. Pop a quarter in you and set you set you loose on China. Is it smug. is it time for like, it's time for base base smug? smug. Yeah. Yes. It takes. Okay, so I was I was uh, upset for a number of reasons this weekend, and I had a lot I needed to get off my chest. So I told the fellows, hey, I'm going to need. A little bit I'm of time. I'm going to need some space. Yeah. I need some runway. Yeah. So there's two main things I want to cover about China. Number one, this is coming from Reuters. China has won AI battle with U.S., Pentagon's ex-software chief says. So this is Nicholas Chalian, the Pentagon's first chief software officer who resigned in protest against the slow pace of technical uh, transformation in the U.S. military, said the failure to respond was putting the U.S. at risk. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, th- that, that's the thing is if this resignation had been in the Trump years, this would have been national news. Everyone out there, I wouldn't need to be telling you this because it'd be nonstop. Oh, my gosh. Trump administration is not doing enough to keep America safe. Well, it's objectionably true. Think mm-hmm. about this. If if what this guy is saying is true, and I believe it because I've, I've talked to a lot of people in this space who believe mm-hmm. it deeply. Yeah, yeah. But if what they're saying is true, this administration is prioritizing the censorship of conservative thought over the development of American AI. 100%. 100%. That's their focus. And, and that's the thing is, uh, you know, again, if this has happened to Trump, you'd have Congress calling for hearings. But this is the normal for Biden. Like uh, the two folks you brought up earlier at the FDA, there's no one running the place. You know, the two folks in charge of vaccines at the FDA resigned in protest and the media didn't bat an eye about that. Uh, And and this is a direct quote uh, from this gentleman, uh, Nicholas Chalian. It says, we have no competing fighting chance against China in 15 to 20 years. Right now, it's already a done deal. It is already over, in my opinion, he told the Financial Times. Whether it takes a war or not is kind of anecdotal. Jesus. And, uh, That's depressing. There, there's Scary. this great special from, uh, of all places, Bloomberg, who is you know shockingly pro-China. But somehow there's a great YouTube that they had uh, a quick take of they had one of the reporters go to China and see what like life is like just day-to-day in, in, in China. Uh, 
he went to a McDonald's and he pulled out his credit card to pay. And they're like, what? No, uh, we, we, you scan your QR code to pay, right? Because that lets the Chinese government monitor every transaction that takes place. Wow. He went to a pub and talked to a bunch of Americans who were working in China. And one of them was talking about how uh, he, he was jaywalking. And before he had finished crossing the street, he got a text message from, from uh, the authorities in no. China saying, you've been fined this amount for jaywalking because they monitor all GPS traffic. They know where you are at all moments. And if you don't pay that fine, there are these, like, uh, these kiosk walls in the intersections posting people's faces who haven't paid their fines yet to shame them. So, like, they are putting a there, and not to mention what they're doing to the Uyghur population there, where right. they've instituted facial recognition technology into stores with cameras. So, if someone who has features resembling a Uyghur person oh, walks Jesus, into a store, scary. the government is alerted to their presence. It's really incredible to me that we've got General Milley, who's most concerned with white rage. Yep. And we've got the DOJ most concerned with the, the national security threat posed by parents speaking up at school board meetings. Yeah. And, and, and this is what's going on in China. They're just eating our lunch. And, and, and this is a great point that, uh, that Chalian pointed out and something that I've really been harping on is uh, he blamed sluggish innovation on the reluctance of U.S. companies such as Google to work with the government on AI and 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 they have all these uh, debates over whether it's ethical. You know, all all the woke employees at these tech companies oh, in California, God. whether it's ethical to work with the U.S. government to defend America, like uh, Amazon and Microsoft. I remember were competing for the like uh, Jedi contract, right. which was for you know to make sure that our troops on the ground can have information. Just sharing information among each other of like, okay, here's what I see. They thought that was like crossing the line. Their 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 employees revolted. Meanwhile, China is 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 beating us. And 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 a Pentagon official whose job it was, the first chief software officer, is saying, you know, it's already over. So that's a lot. That's a lot to to, to take in. But I, and the point you made about General Milley leads perfectly into the second point I want to bring up, which is uh, news broke from the Financial Times that. Uh, China has tested successfully a hypersonic missile. Yeah, I saw this. And, uh, you know, a lot. I don't want to spend time getting into the weeds of how a hypersonic missile works. I encourage everyone to look into it. It's really fascinating stuff. There's three different types of hypersonic missiles. You're going to go into it. Yeah, ones that go in the atmosphere, ones that uh, stay in that. You know, th there's a lot to, to discuss Are about Are you a it. missile man? Well, Kind yeah. of a missile connoisseur, it yeah, seems like. Yeah, you know. Uh, it's, it's, I think... Interesting, you know, rocket technology. I think another thing is America has really taken its eye off of the ball of innovation. You know, it's like that thing of we used to build shit in this country. Yeah. You know, uh, we put a man on the moon and, and, and now other countries are, are really focusing on, on advancing while America's, you know, our, our, gen, our, our general Milley is saying white rage is, is the central So let me, let me just ask a couple of questions. I saw this thing on hypersonic missile or whatever going around the orbit and it could apparently is indefensible against the sort of typical defenses that you have against missiles. Do we have this? So I think this is also very important to point out is the U.S. has been working. The, the three main countries who have put a focus on hypersonic missile technology, U.S., Russia, and China. The U.S. has no hypersonic missiles deployed. Come on. Russia has a working hypersonic missile deployed that can, uh, they've reported, it goes over Mach 20, 20 times the speed of sound. Mach 20. Yeah, it's been clocked at that. So you can't even catch the thing. They have it deployed already. And now you see China's got one. And uh, the, the very special thing about China is it's nuclear capable. 
And another thing to bring up when you're talking about the hypersonic missiles uh, that differ from your traditional ballistic missiles is, you know, you think of like a, a, a rocket or ballistic missile, you know, it uses fuel, it goes up, and then it, it stops using fuel and kind of like uses its fins to guide it, you know, onto the target using GPS or whatever technology you want. Hypersonic missiles are different in that they don't stop using the fuel. It separates and the missile goes out on its own and can move around at incredibly high speeds. Flies like a plane. Yeah. So, you know, if you're trying to intercept it with like a Patriot missile, like a Iron Dome or something, that's that's not going to happen. This thing can like, it, like a plane can maneuver in the same way. Terrifying. This thing can maneuver. And the speed, <clears throat> uh, uh, I saw a statistic, the one that China tested could get from Beijing to New York in under two minutes. Oh, my God. Are Beijing you to New York Beijing in two minutes. Beijing to New York minutes. in under two minutes. Under. Like a minute and 40 seconds. What? And so another significant problem that these, these, these uh, you know, face for the U.S. is for so long, American power could be projected because of our aircraft carriers. You know, like yeah. the whole saying, it's like acres of sovereign U.S. soil. When an aircraft carrier would roll up, you know, People knew you can't act up. Yeah, right. right. Like it, it, you're done for. Well, this is kind of like the the, the goes ones, around that bingo. Like we have no technology whatsoever that could stop China from firing off hypersonic missiles that could just take out aircraft carriers. So sitting ducks. So let me just cut through here because this is this is the question that I've got. Right, I I grew up in an era where the only thing that people really cared about was making sure that your country. Mm-hmm. had the strongest military, the most impenetrable mm-hmm. barriers to outside intervention. You know, it's like at the end of the Cold War when, you know, we we got beyond sort of the Soviet crisis. We wanted to know, like, we've got better shit than they've got. Yeah. Right? And what you're telling me is China and maybe even Russia has better shit than we got? That's accurate. They have... They have- operational on the field like china has in their parades uh, i want to say two years ago uh in one of their military parades shown one of the missile types they have and they just displayed their more sophisticated kind and it's been tested and here's the other thing is uh i think a major issue to be brought up here is our quote intelligence agencies we're completely caught off guard by this. And this test occurred in August. This is the first we're hearing about it because the Financial Times, you know, got their hands on this information. But the intelligence agencies were completely caught off guard. You know, they, they'll spend all their time investigating Legos. And, you know, this government wants to, this Biden administration wants to label uh, parents concerned about school as domestic terrorists. So that's what the intelligence agencies are focused on. Not that China could get. A hypersonic missile from Beijing to New York in under two minutes. I got to tell you, I, I think if you're a Republican candidate for president in 2024, run exclusively on that. Run run on the idea that you're going to have all of American ingenuity focused on closing that gap. Because are you kidding me? Like, look, nobody's a fan of endless war. But part of the reason we've had relative peace in this country for as long as we have is because people have known not to fuck with us. Yeah. If they're now at a point where people can just indiscriminately do that and know that they have a defense advantage over the United States of America simply because of omission, we didn't do it. Come on, man. I I just I simply I want to get more information on this. I'd love to know how we could have gone multiple. I get Biden. He's an idiot. 
But I would love to know how we've gone multiple administrations without dealing with this. And it appears like they don't even know. And I want to give some credit to President Trump because in March of 2020, so there, like I'd mentioned there, without getting into the weeds, there's three main types of hypersonic missiles. The U.S. has been trying to work on the most complicated type, the scramjet version, which, you know, we haven't had enough success to put out on the field. It's limited how much our test, you know, hypersonic missiles have been able to accomplish. But in March 2020, President Trump said, let's get a damn hypersonic missile that's working out there. It doesn't have to be the scramjet version. Um, And this administration, I mean, you're seeing the Jen Psaki when asked about the hypersonic missile that China tested, she said, we welcome the competition. 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 Yeah. When, when, when China, this isn't a race to the moon. This is the race for global domination. Bingo. Bingo. There you go. (laughs) There we go. That, that we welcome the competition. We welcome the competition. What what does that mean? I don't know. Like actually, it's 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 a very welcome thought that uh, Beijing could hit targets in the U.S. without us even having time to react. So you know. Now but, back to the curriculum. Yeah, this is just incredible. It's, it's unbelievable. Wow. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I mean, that was. I feel like I learned. I learned. Oh, last thing I want to say. This is a bonus little little based smug China info. Is uh. The Daily Caller is reporting John Kerry has at least $1 million invested in a Chinese fund supporting a company blacklisted for human rights abuses. So oh. there you go. If you're wondering why this administration is not hard on China, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Mm. This is our green green czar guy. Yep, that's right. Yeah. All right. Invested in China. God. Um, you know, I, I know you, you all are super into the candy situation that we got going on for Halloween yeah. to the extent that we can get our hands on exactly. it. Um. But an important candy corn update, this I think fits into both of your sort of the yin and the yang of of candy corn. Uh, Candy corn bratwurst being sold in Wisconsin and at great levels. Candy corn bratwurst. Yeah. I want it so much. Yeah, it's called the Spooktoberfest brat. Mm. It's three ingredients, pork, beer, and candy corn. I mean, talk about a match made in heaven. Meat right. and sweet, as we call it. Meat and sweet. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that is like perfect. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. Here's a great, a great uh, quote from the creator of the candy corn brat. Somebody said that this should be a felony offense. I don't think I've done anything wrong though. <laughs> I like that he's sticking to his guns. Yeah, I mean, it I, out. I, you know, I didn't know about this until seeing it just now. I, I'm going to try to get it on my hands. We can't get some. Hundred percent. I wonder if it's like, you know, Wisconsin does screwy stuff with that, though. You know, they got that beer that you can't get outside of Wisconsin. I wonder if this applies to the 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 brats. If we have any listeners, if that's the situation, if we have, well, we have listeners of Wisconsin. Yeah, we do. Quite a few, actually. We, we got to run an underground shipment to get some over here because yeah. it sounds amazing. Yeah, check it out, folks. If you've got any, we uh, DM us and we'll see <laughs> if we can't get pop some of those on the grill. Well, Ebeth... E- e- uh, on Twitter, a, a good friend of the program. She does these weekly like cooking competitions. Yeah. And uh, this week, the secret ingredient is candy corn. I'm looking forward to it so much. Well, yeah. you can cheat code that because we've already got maybe the winner. All we need is a minion in Wisconsin with uh, some dry ice and some brats. Uh, ship them to the old variety program. We'll throw them on the grill. Maybe we'll do a little special. <laughs> a little special I, for yeah, the YouTube. I, I mean, I would I would love to get my hands on those. So. Uh, um, you know what we should do, though? I think we should play a game. Okay, let's play a game. Yes. Um, 
so we're going to play Claim to Fame. Ugh, great. Let's go. Don't you know who I am? Remember my name. Claim! Brainworm takes forever. You're going to like my post. Most! I feel engagement forever. Broken brain takes with no shame. Claim! Hot takes up to 11. Saving Joe Biden from blame. Claim! It's going to live forever. Ronnie, remember my name. Remember, 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 remember. It's just so... it. This song just puts me in such a mood. It's I a love great it. song. It's I think a it's, great it's song. our best one for the game. It's so good. <clears throat> so f- for new listeners to the variety program here, what I'm going to do as judge and jury is read four statements and Holmes and Smug have to guess uh, which of these statements, which of these tweets was not retweeted by Ron Klain. That's right. So because the man, the, the man, he retweets a lot of stuff, a lot of trash. Oh, it's a trash bin. As we covered here earlier on this episode, when he endorsed the idea that inflation is a high class problem. <laughs> That's right. That, that itself was an RT from his official chief of staff handle. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would add. You know, this isn't like a burner account. It's not his personal account. This is the White House chief of staff, RTing this garbage. Mm-hmm. Amazing. All right. What okay. We got? So we all have four tweets. Three he retweeted, one he did not. Me and Holmes will guess which one he didn't. Smug just he recited got it. the rules perfectly. He look did at it. that. Gosh, that's good. You know, you get all fired up with the China talk and yeah. look what comes yeah, out. That's right. I'm ready to roll. You guys are ready to go. Uh, okay. Tweet number one. And this is from our pal, Jennifer Rubin. Ooh. Oh, this is always tough. She's a little bit of a mind. Uh, okay, go ahead. Biden's approval rating is in the mid-40s parentheses, roughly Obama's average. Frankly, in such a polarized era, with one side intent on disapproving of the president and the other side and the other just as intent as approving, it is extremely difficult for any president to keep greater than fifty percent. Mm. <laughs> Statement number two. This is from David Rothkopf. Politicians and the inside the Beltway media want to make it about something else, about intrigue and winners and losers <laughs> in some political game. But if the Biden plans go through, you and your family and your neighbors are the winners. If they don't, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Pass it or else. I love how he... Uh, I'll get back to that. That, That's just so pretty. That's perfect. It's it's well done. Statement number three. This is a quote. He's done one heck of a job, Biden says, of John Porcari, his port's envoy, assigned to ease backlogs at U.S. ports. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's it? That's it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Statement number four. This is a a quote tweet. The original tweet is from this guy, Brian Kloss. If Fox News treated everything like the vaccine, quote, a Kentucky man has died in a car accident. He was wearing his seatbelt. 
which raises questions about their effectiveness and whether the federal government has curtailed freedom too much. Patriots will resist seatbelt tyranny. And then Max Boot quote tweets that and says, don't give them ideas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is, uh, these are some amazing. Picks. That is awesome. What I, what I love about that one, I just, I just got to do it. I'm, I'm breaking judge and jury here for a second to say what is incredible about that is like the analogy doesn't hold up. No. Like if somebody doesn't wear a seatbelt in their car and you're wearing a seatbelt, it doesn't affect if you live or die. If you get the vaccine, act like you're immune. Yeah, they, the, the analogy doesn't work for their side. It does for it does for them though. Oh, it's just They're incredible. The ones stay in their basement with double masks. Incredible. I, I I love this game so much because all four of those were straight up Looney Tune. Totally, like they nuts. were all just out of their gourd. I've got okay. Hold on, I've got to turn around while you make your choice. This is going to be very interesting. Okay. Okay, I've locked it in. All right, so I've got. Now, 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 for our new listeners, this is where the open open form of debate goes because because Smug has given me his answer and Holmes doesn't know what Smug has picked. So, number two to me um, is an inherent critique of the media, which has been a hobby horse of this administration. Yeah. Again, they, they skin their knee and they go to the Mayo Clinic. Totally. Yeah, totally. You know, basically saying that, that because you don't know what's in this piece of garbage, you that's don't your, like it. That's your fault, media, not me. Right. As the chief of staff of the White House. So that's clearly an RT. In okay. So I, I also want to discuss number two because it's, it's, it's really brilliant what's going on here. I, I think it was definitely retweeted because uh, it basically says, hey, guys, don't pay attention to details. If Biden agenda passes, you win. You Otherwise, win. you lose. Like, don't listen to the facts yeah, about this, folks. Here's it. Here's it. Is. Quiet. Journalists will try to say all this confusing stuff. Biden passed, you win. <laughs> Just caveman it out. Yeah, that's good. Um. So I think you take that one out. You got three real contenders. Okay. Um. Let me start with number four: the Max Boot intrigue. I know he's had a real interest in boot tweets mm -hmm. lately. Well, I gave you both a Jen Rubin take yes. and a boot take yeah. in here. The meta game is so intense in here yeah. because like for, for, for listeners for so long, Jen Rubin was like the golden child for Ron Klain was just endlessly getting retweets almost automatic. Yeah. And then he switched to boot and I guess now he's gone back to kind of like neutral ish. Mm. So oof. I, yeah, I don't know. But my take is that the Fox News, because Klain is an NBC and MSNBC enthusiast at heart. Yeah. And that's where his mind resides in this deep in the in trespasses the of that godforsaken hellhole that everybody calls MSNBC. I think that's a perfect MSNBC tweet. I call RT on that one, too. OK. Yeah. So I, then, I, I for the same reason, for the same reason. <laughs> so then it comes down to me to one and three. And I'll tell you what what skip what what tipped the scales for me number three the line heck of a job for anyone who has been in politics as long as ron Klain has you know that heck of a job is entirely associated yes with president bush and katrina yes and the guy he had on the ground who he said was doing a heck of a job while people were drowning it's like uh, like the PR 101 of what not to do. Yeah. 
right? But it, but you, you almost have to have been around during that stage to know exactly what it is, right? And you, you would, in my view, can we get a reread of it? Just, just. Sure. Quote, he's done one heck of a job, Biden says, of John Porcari, his port's envoy assigned to easing backlogs at U.S. ports. Yeah, so he's a chief of staff. Uh huh. So you would see him defending his people. If he retweeted anything that said he's doing a heck of a job in the middle of a crisis, this right. guy's the dumbest human being on the face <clears throat> of the planet. You just can't. It is an immediate one-to-one connection. Right. That like anybody who's been involved in government would know you have to steer clear of. So, okay. so here, here's my take on that. I, I think you bring up a very fascinating point. And I personally do believe Kling could be the dumbest human on earth. <laughs> and further, I, I think I think uh, Duncan is doing that like mind trick Ruben thing again from a few episodes back where he, he it could be. I well mean, be. the guy is great at the mind games in the game. So mm-hmm. I went. I went. Number one didn't get a retweet because it's Ruben. Just off faith right. that well, Duncan l- is screwing with us. Let me give. Let me give my take before we announce. Okay. The reason I felt like he may have gone with Ruben on this is because of that slip-in Obama thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? If you can get a re-read re- re- on that. Yeah. Biden's approval rating is in the mid-40s, parentheses, roughly Obama's average. Frankly, in such a pro- polarized era with one side intent on disapproving of the president and the other just as intent as improving, it is extremely difficult for any president to keep more than 50%. Hmm. <sighs> I was there's a lot of what I tried to do in this game. There's a lot of stuff in these tweets that cuts against you. Yeah. Yeah. Like not things you would typically be proud to RT. No. But three of these things got RT. Three of these things got no. All of it you would they're all negative, right? They're all defensive negative things. Right. So, but here's the thing. He may very well be the dumbest person, but he's also a bureaucrat. I'm going to say he didn't RT3. I'm going to say he did RT Jennifer Rubin because of the Obama reference. Okay. He RT'd one, which was Smug's pick. Oh, wow. And he RT'd three. No! Yes! Wow! <laughs> no! Yes, he RT'd Don't tell me he didn't retweet those. the second. He didn't RT Max Boot. The fourth. Okay, oh, so there was mind game. He did the mind, mind game. game trickery. He did. I but did it was it. the max boot trickery. But just for our listeners again, because I know I read a lot of stuff here. Ron Klain RT'd <laughs> the he's done a heck of a job tweet. Ron Klain RT'd the Biden's approval is in the 40s tweet. <laughs> it's amazing because like he's not only confirmed dumbest person on earth. He, he, you know, now we get the intrigue of, oh. So Max Boot might be on the way. He's back on the outs. Back with Jen Rubin. He's on the outs. Back with Rubin. Heck of a job, Stunning. Brownie. I love this game so much. <laughs> oh, it's the greatest game. Let's get the tunes. Don't you know who I am? Remember my name. Brain. Brainworm takes forever. You're going to like my post. Most. I feel engagement forever. Broken brain takes with no shame. Queen! Hot takes up to 11. Saving Joe Biden from blame. Queen! It's gonna live forever. Ronnie, remember my name. Remember, remember, 
Oh, guys, that was fun. I I had a good time curating this. That's one of the better claim to fame games we've played. Outstanding. Well, I think it's time we get to this interview. Um, We have a great interview with Representative Greg Stubbe, who uh, hit an absolute jack in the congressional baseball game. A home run, the first home run in decades in that game. And I thought, you know what? We got to talk to this guy. Totally. Let's get to it. I want to welcome to the program Congressman from Florida's 17th District, Greg Stubbe. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. You bet. I I, I got to say, uh, we had to have you on the program after I saw you in that congressional baseball game hit an absolute jack out of the <laughs> park. That was absolutely incredible. Can you kind of set the stage uh, for our for our listeners on that because it was it was really something well the the great thing about it at least from my perspective was that shortly before that Joe Biden had come onto the field and he was in the Democratic dugout to the point where they they shut down the game I was actually I pitched too so I was actually on the mound so I, I literally went and sat down we got out of the inning we go to the dugout um, and I was the first guy up to bat in that inning I think it was the top of the third. And Biden made his way from the Democratic dugout to the Republican dugout. And I was the first guy up to bat. So I went around the the press and the cameras and all the people talking to him. And he made his way into the dugout. And I made I went around because I was up to bat. And I get up to the plate and the umpire, who all the umpires are all major league umpires. These guys are, you know, tried and true MLB umpires. The guy looks at me and he kind of motions to the plate, like, go ahead. And I pointed over at the president and I said, He's still on the field. All those camera guys are over there. If I hit a foul ball and it hits his face, it's going to be on you, not on me. And he kind of chuckled, but he's – and then the, the the catcher who was a Democratic senator, uh, Smith I think was his last name, said, hey, you know, sovereign immunity, go ahead. Like, All right. So I look at the pitcher who was um, – uh, again, Aguilar, and I look at him and I'm like, do you want to go? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So I step into the batter's box with – this still somewhat crowd. And if you watch the video, you see him talking to people in the dugout, everybody in the stadiums looking at, Oh, what's going to happen when Biden's in the Republican dugout, are people going to talk to him? So the entire stadium is focused on the Republican dugout. Cause that's where the president is. And then you'll see the camera quickly go to that to me first pitch. And you hear a lot of the guys in the dugout who weren't paying attention told me they heard the sound and were like, oh, that was a solidly hit ball. And when they turned around, saw this thing sailing out of the stadium (laughs) and it went, it hit the second row back left center field. And so I, you know, trotted my way around the field. But the best part for me for all of that was the fact that it completely took all of the attention off Joe Biden and the Republican dugout <laughs> you stole, back onto the field where it deserved. You stole his thunder. You stole yeah. his thunder. No, it's incredible. And like you said, I mean, you were also pitching in this game. You threw 120 pitches, five and two, two-thirds innings. Uh, you caught the pop-up to seal the game. I got. Have you played a lot of baseball? Well, I play. I was like all state in high school. I played in all all my life leading up to high school, and then um, decided not to play in college. I had a couple offers to play. I just was sick sick and tired of playing at that point, and um, then missed it 
two years into my college career and decided to try to walk on. I was at the University of Florida and I tried to walk on, went through all the process, the training, the practices and all that. And then about a week before official tryout started, I was playing a pickup game of football with a bunch of guys in my fraternity and I literally separated my foot. So medically was unable to obviously complete. And then with college, you only have so many years of eligibility and your eligibility is gone. So um, I ended up not playing in college, but uh, always have enjoyed the game, was a good player when I was in high school and uh, love nothing more than to have one go out in a major league stadium in front of 26,000 people. Man, that's amazing. The first time in 40 years, I believe the last one was Ron Paul. Yeah, but it's the first one in a major league that's stadium. Right. So in the old days, they used to, I don't know, it was like a high school or a college field that they would play at. They've never played, it's, I think it's 2009 when they started playing the game at the Nats field. So, and having looked around now, because there's all this stats, I guess Nats field is like the 26th hardest major league baseball field to hit one out like in the world. So um, uh, it was nice to, nice to have that happen. Amazing. Just, just amazing. So you represent Florida's 17th district, beautiful place. You know, you got ocean, you got beaches, you got lakes, you got ranches, you got farms. Citrus, I know, is a, a, a big thing. Citrus farms uh, in your in your district. I'm I'm curious. You know, when you're talking to your constituents as you travel across the district, with everything that's happening here in, in Washington, you know, what are you hearing from them? Well, I'm in a very conservative district. Um, Trump won my district handedly, and so most of the people that I bump into are just outright pissed they're upset with what's happening in our country so from the border to afghanistan to um what we are seeing happening with the economy just today it's the COVID. i mean i, I literally just got off the phone um with a, a person who's a veteran who was fired from their job because they refused to take the covid vaccine so it's just it, it is upset about the direction that our country is going from a number of different directions, whether it be the economy, vaccine mandates, the border, Afghanistan. And when I talk to veterans, I, I can't tell you how many of them, and I served in Iraq, I didn't serve in Afghanistan, that are upset about, I mean, as, we, as you and I are sitting here talking, we still have citizens of our country who have been abandoned behind enemy lines left to the Taliban and our country just completely turned their back on them. And I never thought that I would see that in my lifetime. And uh, it's very upsetting, especially to those veterans who served in Afghanistan or Iraq in the fight against terror and the fight against the Taliban and the fight against ISIS to literally see to see this happen is, is very upsetting to them. Yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, you you enlisted in the army after 9/11. I know you you also served as a JAG officer in Iraq. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about your your military background? Yeah, so I September 11th happened my very first semester of law school, and um, I wanted to enlist. I wanted to go in as an infantry guy. I had looked at some of the special forces contracts, and enough people had convinced me to do the enlistment. So it was called the delayed entry program, or it was at the time. And then you go the officer track through officer candidate school. And then I was going to become an infantry officer. So I spent, uh, so I graduated law school early, enlisted as an E4, um, went in as an enlisted guy, did basic training, then was selected for officer candidate school, finished OCS. And I was an infantry officer, did about a year and a half in the infantry branch. I uh, injured my knee in ranger school. So I transferred from the infantry branch to JAG 
But because it's very rare in the JAG Corps to have an infantry trained prior commissioned officer, I got assigned to an infantry division. So I was assigned to the 25th Infantry Division, uh, which is stationed in Schofield Barracks. And um, shortly after getting there, about six months, I then was deployed to, to Iraq in Operation Iraqi Freedom. And we were the headquarters element for MND North. And again, because I had that infantry background and it was an inf infantry division, I came into Iraq at a time which was after Abu Ghraib. We were dealing with all the detainee issues. So they thought, hey, what better guy to have than a former infantry officer who's the JAG over detainee operations? So I was the chief of detainee operations for MND North 06 to 07 when I was stationed there with the uh, 25th Infantry Division. Wow. And some of the, the folks you served with, I, I, I imagine they have a lot of strong opinions, as I'm sure you know you do, and you've expressed here about you know Biden's withdrawal in Afghanistan. I, I wonder if you could share any of those those stories you've had with with you know um, other folks you've served with. Well, everybody that I have talked to and the veterans in my district, um, a lot of us, including myself, I supported the conditions-based withdrawal that the Trump administration had negotiated um, with the Afghan government and the Taliban, which were all these parameters that had to happen in order for us to withdraw by the date in May. And if they and the Taliban knew if they violated any of those precepts to that agreement that Trump was going, it was going to be met with um, with repercussions for that, and they knew that with the trump administration well then the biden administration comes in and completely violates the terms of the agreement that the prior administration put into place they stayed past the may deadline and then you start to see the taliban taking over parts of afghanistan at an alarming rate it didn't it you didn't have to be a genius to see what was happening in afghanistan and our administration sat back and did absolutely nothing um if you want to google my i didn't ask him questions but my statement to secretary blinken on what occurred in afghanistan kind of lays out the fact that it's hard for me to you know they're vacationing in the hamptons and it's hard for me to knowing our intel capabilities our satellite capabilities to not know that they didn't know what was happening in afghanistan this didn't come as a surprise to them they just failed to act because they didn't want the negative press that was going to come with it and it's just absolutely astonishing that as we still sit here today not only the human toll the fact that we have citizens and sivs who help our guys for 20 years still stuck behind enemy lines we left like 80 billion dollars worth of military equipment blackhawks c-130s um you name it weapons all all of these things the taliban is now one of the most heavily militarized nations if you want to call it that in the world because we basically abandoned 80 billion dollars worth of equipment and Trump recently had made a, a comment, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, about the fact that Milley tried to convince him to do the same thing. And he had decided they were going to destroy all the equipment when they did their withdrawal. Well, obviously, Milley had convinced Biden that he didn't need to do that, which is just absolutely mind blowing to me that we would give our enemy the capabilities and the equipment that we have. It's uh, it's incredible. And, and, and you sort of mentioned the the. Um either the, the 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 intelligence failure or or the arrogance of the Biden administration to um, go go ahead with the withdrawal despite the intelligence it's it's sort of unclear to me um, you know what their message is on that because they say oh well nobody could have anticipated you know how quickly the Taliban would retake the country and then also say well we pre <laughs> we prepared for every eventuality 
uh, and this mission was a success. And I guess I'm, I, what, I'm, what I'm driving at there is, do you expect more congressional investigations and oversight in this area? And, and, and if so, what, what does that look like? I do, but unfortunately, it's not going to happen until the Republicans take the House back next year because the Democratic Congress isn't going to do oversight on the Biden administration uh, for several reasons. One, they don't want to make them look bad. Two, they they don't want the truth to come out about all of the information that they did have and their failure to lead, their failure to make decisions, their failure to get our people out on time, their failure to, to even allow not-for-profit groups that were going in and getting our people out to land in other countries so that they could get our people out of the country, the, the Democrats don't want the nation and the world to know that information. So the Democratic-led Congress is not going to do oversight. Um, just having Blinken come in and everybody get in five minutes and Billy come in and everybody get in five minutes, that's not oversight. Oversight yeah. is doing depositions and subpoenas and requesting information or requesting documents um, and, and being able to do a thorough review of what these individuals knew and when they knew it and what decisions they made. And none of that will happen until the Republicans take the House back next year. Have you uh, had any communications with, with folks who um, were you know stuck in Afghanistan after the withdrawal deadline? or are still there now? I'm just, I'm kind of curious, you know, are your offices still kind of, you know, getting inundated with these messages from people? What's, what's sort of the status of all that? They were in the beginning of the fall. Um, we had three individuals who had contacted our office who either had family or contacts who were stuck in Afghanistan and working through the state department. Uh, I believe we were able to get those, those ours, those in our district that were um, related to the people in our district out. But that that's that's not every district in the country. There's n- numerous instances. I mean, the Biden administration will admit, admit to hundreds. Um, the numbers they gave us. So we had briefings as all this was happening. And originally they told us there's between 10 and 15,000 Americans that are still left in Afghanistan. And then if you ask them today how many they got out, they say 5,500, and then they'll say that there's only hundreds left. Well, I'm not a mathematician, <laughs> right. but just simple math tells you that those numbers aren't correct. Right. So there's there's a lot more people there than I think they're alluding to or wanting a, wanting the general public to know that have still been left in Afghanistan. But unfortunately, the State Department is responsible for that. Congress can't, unless we're going to like go in ourselves, which we wouldn't have the authority to do under the State Department's approval process through the administration. We're relying upon a State Department that's that's holistically failed uh, to get our people out. Wow, man, what a disaster. Um, you know, back to your to your district real quick. And, you know, we're dealing with and, and you know, I'm sure you've seen a lot of it in the news, you know, all these issues in the supply chain, um, you know, from ports to grocery stores and i'm i know you you know you've got ranchers and farmers in your district and i'm curious if you've heard from any of them or, or if you've seen yourself any of these supply chain issues coming home in your district in every sector of the economy you are seeing challenges all that have been brought on by the decisions that this administration has made and it started with giving out so much money through unemployment compensation through covid bills that that biden did very early on when he got elected to president and then was sworn in that people were making more money on unemployment 
than they were making to work. So the people that are taking the containers off the ships, the people that are driving the trucks, the people that are doing all of the supply chain things that normally would be working are not working because they're staying at home making more money than they would be working. I, I literally, just yesterday, I was walking the dog in the neighborhood and a guy drove by and introduced himself who used to live across the street and is a truck driver. And he told me that he's not driving a truck anymore because the cost of fuel is so high that it doesn't make sense for him to drive his truck. So he's now working construction. So there's all of these decisions that the administration have made that has created the situation that we have now where you literally have ships off the coast of these major ports where you don't have the people to, to offload and to take the containers off and put them on trucks and ship them around the country. And it's because of the decisions that this administration has made. And that's causing the other problems in inflation that we're seeing. It's all, all of these are brought upon by the decisions that this administration has made. And they every time they're put, they're held to their feet to the fire on things like this. They all, oh, well, we inherited this economy or we inherited Afghanistan or whatever. They, they constantly want to blame Trump or the past administration. This is 100% in the lap of the Biden administration. You can't blame President Trump when you're nine months into your administration and can be making decisions to encourage people to work, to encourage people to go get a job, to not incentivize people staying home. And now you're seeing a, a, like another layer of that where people are being laid off because of these vaccine mandates. So you had people that weren't working because they were making more money on unemployment. And now if, if they work in a company that has more than 100 people, they're being told, hey, if you don't get the vaccine, we're going to have to force you to get the vaccine. So they're like, I'm not going to I'm not going to work because I don't want to get the vaccine. So it's just layer after layer of very poor decision making in the White House is causing the current economic crisis that we're in right now. Yeah, well, you really hit the nail on the head there. You know, I mean, you look at all of the polling that's coming out now and all of these disasters uh, that you've mentioned. And clearly the American people are starting to wake up. I hope they do. And I hope we can take that house back. Do you think we're going to do it? Well, I absolutely think we're going to do it. We have the party in power in the White House historically loses 35 to 40 seats in midterm election years. We only need to win five to take the house back. I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath in November because of all of these far left progressive decisions the administration is making and trying to push through. They're trying to give amnesty to 10 million illegal immigrants while the border is wide open, while fentanyl is coming across the border. Coyotes are sitting across the border shooting AK-47s at us. The, the, the America doesn't stand for those things. The mass majority of Americans don't want that on top of all of the other things that we've seen. So I, I think we're not going to just win five seats. I think we have a very strong showing in the midterms and uh, it, we're going to take the House back. The hope is we can take the House in the Senate, but we'll at least be able to take the House back. The House controls the purse strings. And so we can at least put a stop to all of this reckless spending that the Biden administration is trying to shove through. And they're trying to shove it through by the end of this year because they know they don't want these moderate Democrats to vote on this stuff come a, a campaign year next year. So they're trying to shove it through before the end of the year. Yeah. Purse strings and the subpoena power. That's what we'd like to get back. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So we, we end every interview here on the Variety program with three questions for all of our guests. Um, so the first one is your last meal on earth. What would it be? I would have to say a bone in ribeye medium rare 
would be that's nice sides any sides there mashed potatoes and asparagus classic that's a classic combination right there awesome um question number two if you weren't in politics what would you be doing with your life well, I think I'd be playing baseball. Apparently, I think I should go back to uh, to playing baseball and try out for one of these walk on turn walk on tryouts down here in spring training. Well, look, the Nats could use your help here in DC. Uh, and the Rays, and the Rays. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the final question here, and I'll explain it a bit, but. You know, what what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? So the thrill of victory is somebody who looks at, you know, glass half half full, the eternal optimist. Uh, agony of defeats, um, you know, someone who just hates to lose. And the, and the thought of ever losing to anybody is what drives them to succeed. So what motivates you, Congressman Moore, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? Well, the, after that description, I would have to say the agony of defeat because I do not. You sound uh, like an agony of defeat very, guy. <laughs> I, I have a very competitive spirit, as you could have I seen could tell. that baseball game yeah, a couple tell. of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a good answer, and, and I would have anticipated it. Um, well, you know, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Great to hear your passion and energy. Um, hope we can take the House and the Senate. Let's get that subpoena power and the purse strings back. Thank you so much, Congressman, for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. So he's a great guy, passionate, incredibly passionate. And the thing that struck me most about this interview was just like how how much energy the Republican Party has in the House on all of these issues. Like, here's a guy who can go seamlessly across all of these issues and just decimate the Biden agenda. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I, I saw his tweet where uh, he, he got video of him hitting that home run. He was like, hey, Joe Biden, look at this. I was like, hell yes. He just, we need this guy on the great. show as soon as possible. Full pose. <laughs> just great. It's just incredible that Biden was there in the Republican dugout and all the attention is there in the Republican dugout. Is he going to shake hands? Who is he talking to? Yada, 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 all of this stuff. And then he just steps up, steps up to the plate. First swing. Jack. crushes it Jack crushes it so I I was impressed at the swing I felt like you had a nice hip transfer got under it turned on it yeah sent it deep to left yeah and that thing was flying flying too. I mean it's a hard to hit a ball out of that ballpark not easy uh-uh. and, and he mentioned <laughs> mentioned that in the interview he's like not not only did I hit a jack I hit a jack in a you know a tough park a to major that. league park to yeah. left field the Nationals left field which is deeper than some yeah that's really so the only thing I think we got to work on with Stubby next time is he's got to he's got his pose. We got to work on his bat flip. Okay. A little bit. Okay. And we might have some suggestions for a bat flip. Yeah. Other than that, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I mean, what a home run! And you know what? What a banger of an episode, gentlemen. We had an outstanding interview. Base China takes. Brought it all. Outstanding work. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.